This is the uh, the Glasgow School of Art having another another burn down. Yeah, it has one every World Cup. <laughs> yeah, it's always coincided with the World Cup. Um, the, uh, I got home and uh, yeah, was about to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's half a, half past eleven at night. Yeah, and then one of my colleagues got in touch and said, "Hey, there's a something happening." Ooh. I literally looked out my window and saw the smoke and thought, "Right, well, that's my Friday and Saturday gone." Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And um, I abandoned my car outside Cineworld. Other cinemas are available. Yeah, for abandoning cars out in front of, yes. There's a, I'm sure there's a perfectly good audience got a, around the corner. It's got a solid car park for putting cars in. <laughs> and uh, and then spent the next probably at least two hours, uh, certainly where the, where the fire was at its height, running everywhere. I've And I tell you what, running in jeans and like skate shoes. I know, I know we've criticised Bryce Dallas Howard for running in heels in Jurassic World, but my goodness... Skate shoes and skinny jeans are not a good combination. I think it's a bit better than heels. <laughs> a little bit, but... Skate shoes are, are made to be active, at least, right? So I kind of started at the, the bottom end, near, near the Sydney world, if you know where I am in Glasgow. I know where you are. And then legged around to Bath Street and kind of did a whole parallel of, of, of that to try and get the best, most dramatic shots. Because, you know, everyone wanted, to, everyone wanted to see it. It was horrible. It was terrible. Yeah. It was awful. huge fire, but you got to show the world. Unfortunately, some of my colleagues and uh, counterparts in the media, because it was a Friday, were out drinking and uh, were too steaming to do anything. And so, uh, but honestly, it was, a, it was a solid team effort. It was a great team effort from certainly the guys at Clyde, uh, who I would... Uh, Give a firm handshake to each and every one of them. Yeah, consider everyone at Clyde, consider yourselves firmly handshaken by the podcast. <laughs> and also, yeah, yeah. Uh, but to the extent that then I ended up filling time on Sky for 10 minutes at two in the morning. All right. When they asked the same questions over and over again, uh-huh. and I filled time. And the thing is, you know, having uh, basically filled time for a living yeah. on STV Glasgow, RIP. RIP. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. You did a great job. We're all proud of you, Colin. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, James. And then the BBC were like, hey, you want to do something for, for BBC One Breakfast? And I was like, well, okay, well, the fact you have a, a crew here, you literally have a crew right here with a great camera, uh-huh. excellent, experienced reporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a producer. Like, there was a, three of them there. Uh-huh. And then they were like, oh, no, we still want to take you on your iPhone. Yeah, okay. get, yeah, they saw the t-shirt and they just couldn't resist. Yeah, that was, that was, that was the kicker. I was wearing an Amur top, like a death metal, probably my favourite band. Yeah. I did a, I did the Sky and uh, lots of Twitter videos wearing an Amur mm-hmm, t-shirt mm-hmm. to the extent that people were commenting, put on a shirt. I mean, you, you should have, but... It, it, no, I sh- no, I shouldn't have, James. Yeah, no, I shouldn't yeah, have. You know, when there's a big fire like that, the first priority needs to be to dress up smart. You can't you can't rush to show the world a disaster. You have to look good before you do anything along the lines of helping people understand the situation. In hindsight, I would have taken a jacket because it did yeah. start to get very cold. And um, even with the fire, yeah, 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 yeah even with the fire, <laughs> like you're, the side of you that's facing the fire is like really toasty, but your other half's freezing. <laughs> I think my body started to shut down at some point as well because of that. You know, I hadn't slept properly since uh, well. 2010 but um that's a lot that's a lot of years ago colin yeah. <laughs> no that was that was the joke yeah. i'd uh yeah, i'm laughing at your joke at 5 a.m or so was was kind of shivering i went back to the flat had some fanta and some cold pizza and uh which was as refreshing as it sounds mm, i like cold pizza went back out did some more and then um i got tagged out by carrie ann so all in all didn't breathe any smoke compared to the one in march thank you but mm-hmm. do you know why 
because the art school's on a hill. Because I texted you and said, don't breathe smoke. Well, you did that as well. But also... Yeah, at 2am. I, I, I had your safety in my, in my mind. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Uh, it's on a hill, and also the police obviously learned a lesson and had a massive, at least two, maybe three street cordon around the <laughs> fire. So That is pretty massive. Uh, yeah. And now the rebuild re-begins. <laughs> the thing is, I really, I know everyone's saying this, but I really feel for the, the guys at the art school. I mean, it's great that, that nobody died. That's the main thing. Nobody died. <laughs> Pretty good news. In terms of great, great news is nobody died up there. The bad thing is that they literally, I mean, they, they were opening next year. Yeah, they were almost done. Almost done the rebuild and they've, they've been burnt again. The only positive or like kind of ray of sunshine is that at least they now know what they need to do. Like they're like, oh, we've done this already. We're just going to have to do it all again. Yeah, surely the second time you're rebuilding, you do it a bit faster. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, yes, but also this fire was so much bigger than the 2014 it one. It was. Than that they're going to have to do the entire structure, not just like the 20% that was hit in 2014. Do we know what happens yet? I saw, I haven't been keeping up with the news. No, we don't. It's It'll be months and months before they find so out. So they're not on to you, Colin. They're, no, they're not. Colin Colin was desperate for a big story to get onto the beep. <laughs> oh, there's a fire. I'm there. Do you know what's, do you know what's interesting, though, is the both fires now uh-huh. have actually bookended the beginning and demise of STV's second channel. Wow, yeah. Because the first one, the first Glasgow School of Art fire was the was my debut on live TV. We that was our first ever live. Uh was me standing outside or several streets away from the the School of Art saying there there's um oh. a, there's a there's fire mm-hmm. and it's on it's on the fire. Tell you what the bricks aren't burning but I think the wood is. And back to you. And then here we are 4 years later with STV2 about to go down the pan next week, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, next week. Let's talk about that next week. And it's been bookended by by another fire. So there we go. You know, conspiracy theorists. Have a great day. I had a great day. I watched Uruguay, Saudi Arabia, which was mm-hmm. thoroughly boring. Mm-hmm. And also more. Are we talking about that's the football? <laughs> I didn't watch. I didn't survey the there's two no, countries from afar. There's a new. There's a new fight going on that I haven't heard about. <laughs> I also saw uh, Morocco uh, take on Portugal in the football. Yes, at the World Cup. In the football, uh, which yeah, was also yeah, thoroughly yeah. boring. So uh, here we that's are. A, they're a lot. They're a lot closer together. Morocco, Portugal. That's uh, exactly. That could have been a, an actual fight. Probably kicked the ball back and forward over Gibraltar. Have a great time. Uh, what have you done with your day? I've, I'm just con- continuing the theme of boring by uh, completing the trifecta. We're like talking about us for this for, for so long right now. I've worked and then I, I'm now recording a podcast. Sounds like a really fulfilling day. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll call it fulfilling. I got things done. I also slept in a bit, but that's okay. Oh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You're allowed to do that. Okay, welcome to Seesaw Parade, yeah. uh, episode 135. If you are only listening to the first time, then please uh, enjoy yourselves, make yourself is, home. Is anybody listening for the first time at this point? Potentially. I got at least 10 new Twitter followers. This could be mind-blowing if um, someone is actually listening for the first time. I know. Episode 135. Where have you been? I'm Colin. He's James. I am still James. I'm considering changing it, but you never know. <laughs> Unbelievably... Uh, there doesn't really seem to be a lot of movie news or, or TV news or anything, really. Imagine. So we actually have to talk about uh, things that have happened. No, no, no. There's no movie or TV news. So we've talked about ourselves <laughs> for an extra five minutes. That made me almost 
spit out my coffee. Uh, because it's it's true. It's, it's it is true. So let's start with um with with the states and of course Donald Trump uh, doing his thing, being in the headlines. I know. I know. I, can we just have a one week, Donald? Donald, please, can you give us one week where you don't do anything <laughs> so mind blowing that we don't have to talk about it? My, the bar is real high right Let's now. Dive right you could in. do some. You could do some pretty bad stuff, and I would be like, "That's not really classic, Donald." We can ignore that for this week. Okay, but this this does qualify as pretty bad stuff. Uh huh. Right. All of okay. it. So the U.S. President Donald Trump has uh, he's promised to keep families together at the um, uh, American-Mexican border amid fury over separations between children and their parents, uh, undocumented child migrants, I should say. So uh, after. Probably a solid week, certainly days, of pressure and criticism from his own party, from various outspoken figures, including his wife. And even even Theresa May said, yes, it looks like the children might be in cages. Absolutely. <laughs> Hard line there from Theresa. She hasn't resigned, uh, rescinded his invite, by the way. He's, he's still coming. No, he's still coming. Uh, yep. Which is the day I come back from holiday, which uh, I'm sure will be great. Protest. Protest the Trump. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, Justin Trudeau getting his boots stuck firmly in there too. Uh, so now the Department of Homeland Security says they are drafting an executive order to stop the policy, despite the fact that Trump has, for the last few days, been like, nope, this is the policy. It's working. I'm pretty sure yesterday, or at least yesterday for me, he, he said it is necessary to do this. Not just that it's working. So it's a it's a it's a big old turnaround here from it's absolutely necessary to separate the kids from their parents to oh no, we'll just we'll let them get back together. Okay. So his argument is saying, look, if you're really, really pathetically weak and you let everybody in, the country's gonna be overrun. Mm-hmm. So so I understand every country has to have some sort of migration policy. Yeah. But when you're seeing children in cages mm-hmm. and children under three literally being, <laughs> being like, no, see you later. You're over there in a cage. I know you're two years old, but you can't see your mom and dad. Yeah. We'll let the parents cross the border into this camp. You guys stay in this other one. And while we process them, we might process you afterwards. Who knows? Something seems incredibly wrong if this is the policy. And they're all being like, no, no, this is the way it works. This is the way it's always worked. Yeah. People calling the... The, the, the concentration camps akin to summer camps and holiday camps, trying to make it sound nice with literally pictures of cages behind them on their, on their screens. Eh, this, was, this was a horrible story to follow, just seeing people having to go through this. Yeah, now Trump has done this, this 180. Do, can you sympathise at all with the policy? Because obviously it's, an, it's in a way of, uh, of trying to keep uh, illegal immigrants or people of the American society doesn't want in their country out. They have. They can't just let them all in. That's that's a fact. Well, see, so every country has its immigration policies, its means to keep people uh, crossing the border legally and being registered in the country so we know where everyone is. That's understandable. And, you know, it's understandable when you send a bunch of people to prison that you maybe don't send their kids with them. Uh, so if you're looking at uh, these people are illegal and in jail, we shall then separate their kids. Like, logically, it makes sense. However, it, it, this is a separate circumstance where you've got people just trying to get into your country. So surely, if you're going to house them all in temporary accommodation, you can put them all in one place. And you know what, Trump and all the others? I bet it's cheaper if you put them all under one roof than it is to make, I don't know, 10,000 babysitters take care of the 
couple of tens of thousands of kids that you've got yeah. in a camp. Right. So just just to throw a wee bit more info, at the moment, 2,300 or so kids have been separated from their parents. And there are currently, get this, no official figures on how many families have actually been reunited because of the way the parents and kids, or rather adults and children, are processed Two very different systems. The children often often end up in foster care or remain in a shelter, and then the parents probably get deported back and then have to yeah. find their children. Yeah. That's horrendous. Yes, it's just the first thing you do is separate the family, and then no matter what happens, you might never see the family again. It's just not right, and it's not efficient. And, you know, like from a human point of view, it's not right. From a logistics point of view, it's not right. You just can't make this sound like a good idea if you're looking at it even as a non-human alien. Okay, well, talking off the US, one more uh, kind of US-related story. Uh, They've left the UN Council of Human Rights. And uh, they say this is because the council has been protecting human rights abusers. Amongst its 47 members are the likes of Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. Egypt, and mm-hmm. the Philippines. Yeah. And um, this apparently, again, we're, we're not uh, privy to these conversations. Neither of us are in the UN, as far as I'm aware, James. No, I, I'm not in the UN. Okay, good. I'm, like, I'm in a country that's in the UN. Right, just wanted to check. Apparently, this has not been unsurprising or unexpected, but still disappointing. I mean, they, didn't, they, weren't, they haven't been in for long. They only rejoined the Human Rights Council uh, under Obama, right? They they weren't when it Bush was, was... Yeah, yeah it, was, it was fairly recently, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just the US throwing a wee fit. I don't think it's about them caring about human rights. I think it's because the UN's come harshly down on, on Israel, and the US is all about Israel. Because the US clearly doesn't care about human rights in all these cases, or they'd have been doing things about it. But they haven't been. Well, the US would say that... By pulling out the council, they are now making a statement and saying, "Well, we can have this if you're if Saudi Arabia uh, and these other countries, the Philippines, including um, the pre- the president of the Philippines, uh, Duterte, who Trump has previously praised, yeah, praised, because Duterte was essentially encouraging people to take the law into their own hands and kill drug dealers. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's basically a list of people that Trump cozies up to, a list of people that Trump uh, idolizes." And one week, he's talking about how great Kim is, North Korea in general, how wonderful it is, where they are the worst in terms of human rights. And then the next week, the US is trying to stick its chin up and say, oh no, we're the best, we're leaving this council as a statement. Right. It's not going to do anything. If you wanted to make a statement, you can be more powerful in a council than out of it. So this now follows on from the Paris climate arrangement, or the, that, that deal, the Iran, uh, Iranian nuclear deal, mm-hmm. which... America has now pulled out of both. And the, this is now the third one, third major one. That the yeah, States America pulled out pulling out of basically all agreements with its allies. Why? Why is this happening? Someone in power wants these countries to be destabilized. Uh, this is the only answer, right? There's no way that you can look at these moves and say, "Oh, that's going to add stability to the world." I don't think it's. I don't think it's a destabilizing thing. I think it's Trump and Trump's America wanting to be seen to forge their own path. And making, I, I, I hate to use the phrase, but making America great again, in his own words, and not being like, one one world, you know, we're here, we're in it to win it, we're here to save everybody, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, um, that's the same, though. Working like, working together, all that, but instead, I think this new attitude is, actually, you know what, we're better off if we do these things ourselves. Yeah, which is destabilizing the world, and your nation, and everyone. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah fair it's point. just a different way of saying it. Okay. I had a much more diplomatic way of saying it. Your way, your way made the Americans sound a bit less evil, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you your that. Your way sucked, Colin. 
okay. your way your right. way sounded like what a diplomat would say i'll give it to you okay but no it's just it's embarrassing that the u.s just is so blatantly ignoring so many good deals the human all human rights chat is and they're just pretending that they're they're the good guys somehow they're pretending they're the good guys in this situation now the un and the human rights council isn't perfect it needs change it clearly needs to enforce some policy or some uh restrictions on the countries within it that are anti-human rights that are, that are killing people just willy-nilly whatever you want okay but i don't well, know what's the u.s gonna do if it's not in the council it's one less thing to worry about isn't it Mm. Okay, let's take uh, a look at matters closer to home. Uh, sticking with news, because there isn't anything fun to talk about this week. I like real news, though. This is great. Love real news. I hate uh, I hate, I hate. all the fun stuff that Who we talk about. Who likes films anyway? Exactly. Okay, let's talk about upskirting. And uh, <laughs> I love... Oh, wait. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, uh, this is a proposed new law for England and Wales. I must say, this is already a, a law in Scotland. A proposed new law tackling upskirting yeah. uh, was blocked by a Tory MP unexpectedly in the House of Commons. Uh, the MP was Sir Christopher Chope. I'm not entirely sure if I'm pre- uh, pronouncing that uh, surname correctly. Let's let's say Chope, shall we? Let's say Chope. Um, That's a nice way of saying it. He shouted object mm-hmm. whilst the speaker was essentially being like, yep, okay, we're all good. Everything good here. This law is going to be go. great. And we're taking the bo- Oh, no, object. Okay. Yeah. And it just takes one, one, one wee MP to block a law that way. Right. So now he, he's, he's uh, not to portray him in any sort of light at all. He's 71. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's been the MP for, for 20 odd years. Yeah. And he's one of these backbenchers who basically sits in the commons all the time, even when there's mm-hmm. barely, barely anybody else there. Yeah, and and showed subject. He does his job. That's what he does. Yeah, he he likes things to be done by the book. Yeah, exactly. So he is saying his reason was that he didn't want. Uh, I think he described it as a flabby bill, a flabby parliamentary bill, just to uh, just to float on through willy nilly. Yeah, and I, instead I mean, he wanted to be scrutinised. He didn't know himself what upskirting was, but I don't think any of that is on the point like to be fair i understand what he's doing here wait 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 so wait he didn't understand what i'd missed that bit i'm pretty sure that's one of the things he says i can't remember i can't give you a reference right now but (laughs) i've read i've read a quote that said that he didn't understand well basically yeah going back to your point he said he he blocked the bill out of principle essentially yeah because we're uh, supposed to debate laws rather than go here's a new law grand right okay so so you're you kind of understand where he's coming from well i see i don't really know how new laws are put into place in the UK. Apparently, this old man, who has been an MP for a lot longer than I have... Wait, how long has he been an MP? Uh, for a while. Let's say 20 years, at least. He's been an MP for the whole of my life. Since 1997. I think he might have a better understanding of the way we're supposed to make new laws in the UK than I do. So if his understanding is that all new laws are supposed to be properly debated in the Commons, sure, you should probably try to block any that aren't being debated properly because he's right if you start just passing laws then it makes it easier for new new laws to pass more harsh laws laws that are less popular because it's surely no one would but would block this law but you know the next one comes out and maybe 20 percent of people would want it blocked but they just pass it anyway okay so who knows it is procedure is good i'm all for a procedure and if it was not a, not procedural to just chuck the law out there and go yep box ticked then sure but, like, we do need this law. The one thing I would say I do feel a wee bit sorry for is the fact that his party have now... His own party, the Conservatives, have gone to town on him. 
uh, including Theresa May, who said she was very disappointed that the bill hadn't passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, another of uh, the other Tories, Paul Masterton including, who said um, that this kind of thing does far more damage to the public's view of our party than endless debates about customs arrangements. Yep. And then, of course, his uh, Sir Christopher Chope's office was decorated with pants yeah. on, uh, I think it was Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, yeah, I do kind of understand. I know I can see what he was trying to do. Yeah. I know that's kind of his thing. But at the same time, is there a time and place where you just go, actually, you know what? This is going to do my reputation no favours at all. Maybe I should just set this one out. I mean, just as advice to a man with more experience in the industry than I ever will have, uh, if you don't know what a word means, check the definition before deciding to put your career on the line for it. Uh, but to the party, uh, they sh- they shouldn't be just trying to come out because the only reason they've done they've gone so hard on the guys because they need to. Otherwise, Twitter will get them. Twitter will come and be like, "Hey, you tell him where his place is." But they're they're caring about the image rather than anything else. They don't care about the procedure. They don't care about the law itself. They just care about the party image. Right. And just just to wrap this up, uh, there are reports that uh, Sir Chope does not know what it is. No no confirmation there. Um, but apparently he said it is his life's work to block these bills on the basis that opposition parties should not be able to write government laws. Oh, is this... So basically he wants to have a re-scrutinise the government to add their own wee bits here and there, and then voila, we have a new law. Wait, so this was a thing that went through the opposition side? Apparently, so I, I, I can't right, say I know yeah, enough okay. about it. But that seems to be the case here, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. If it was not procedure, then sure, mate, you've done something. I don't really know if I'd do it, but if it was within the right of whatever to make this law, I don't see why we just chuck it all away. And it's a law that is needed. Like, I wear my kilt sometimes. I don't want people to be getting their wee, getting their wee selfie stick out and reaching down, you know, click, click. Oh, man, he's got camel boxers on today. Add that to the collection. <laughs> Okay, um, let's sticking with the House of Commons very briefly. Let's talk about the SNP, uh, whose MPs walked out of the Commons oh, yeah, they in did. protest over the Brexit debate. So PMQs, uh, I think, it was last Thursday or Wednesday, even uh, descended into chaos somewhat because chaos. Yes, the uh, the party's leader Ian Blackford was ejected. Uh, not literally, that would have been fun um, from the chamber. Ooh, they should add that functionality <laughs> to all the seats. Which is <laughs> like ciao. Uh, like a button they used to, the, Graham Norton's seat button. Yeah, I'm thinking upwards ejection, but With I think like a, a downwards, like a fall into a pit would be a bit safer. Or like a trap door. That would be even better. A trap door, a trap door into ball pit circumstance, what I think. What was that CBBC show where you got to gunge people? Get your own back. Get your own back. <laughs> okay, yeah, trap door into gunge. <laughs> Let's not say that again. Okay. <laughs> Ian Blackford was ejected. I got, I got this, Colin. <laughs> During all the Brexit debates on whatever day last week, they decided to give the uh, issues about devolution a good 15 minutes to talk about because, you know, three nations, that's worth 15 minutes, five minutes each, great. Except no one from any of those nations got to speak. Like none of the M- Scottish MPs, Welsh MPs got to speak in this 15 minutes, um, which, you know... Maybe that's really fair. I think it sounds okay if, if one random English MP talks for 15 minutes about Scottish rights and Welsh rights and Northern Irish rights. You know, that's great. I love it. So the leader of the Scottish or of Scottish National Party, the National Nationalist, the SNP, the next day during PMQs asked if they could like speak in private. They've got a code word for yeah having holding the holding the PMQs in a private setting, and he said he said the code word. 
silence, please. That's my code word for it. Okay. And the speaker at that point is supposed to say, All right, would you like that now or at the end of the whatever, the hour? And then he said, I want it now. And the speaker said, nah, you're having it at the end, which isn't to, to, to procedure. As in, we all know how much we like procedure. And also, just, just to say, in private means no TV cameras, which means the politicians could just be like, actually, you know what? No, I'm going to go get some lunch. Bye. Yeah, no cameras, no one in the stands, no random people around. So he asked for this with whatever the really cool code word is, which is a bit less cool than the old, old code word. And then the speaker went off procedure and demanded himself that it was only going to happen at the end. And if he didn't take that offer, he's getting kicked out. Yeah. There was a bit of panic in the faces of Berko's side side pieces. All his little boys with the books were saying, Who oh, no, you're going off book here, sir. And he's going, no, I'm correct. I'm the speaker. You must leave now because you can't ask for this thing that you've asked for and it's in the books. No. So the SNP all walked out with him. So he was, yeah, so Ian Blackford was refusing to sit down. That was a long retelling. That was a long retelling. So just to say, he was, he was refusing to sit down, and then he was told to leave. Yeah. And then all the um, MPs from the SNP walked out en masse. Mm-hmm. Uh, In a pretty big statement. Of, uh, yeah, lots, lots of cheering, and uh, lots of people waving at them. Now, James, mm-hmm. my question to you is, okay, obviously this is a stunt. Did it work? Yep. And... Uh, What's what's the fallout from it? The SNP would say that their membership went up by seven and a half thousand, potentially more, in the following twenty four hours. Okay, so the day before, when Scotland and everyone else got to get, got zero minutes time to talk about the things that mattered to them, that clearly is a problem. So then the next day, asking for the, all the media to leave is clearly is clearly a stunt, and I think he was expecting it to just go through and that to be the end of the stunt. Yeah. But then the speaker played into his hands and made it an even bigger stunt. Evic- uh, kicked him out, and then all the SNP folks followed him in what I guess was adding to the stunt, but maybe not really, because just the leader leaving would have been enough of a stunt. And then they got all the media attention for an issue that b- the day before hadn't really been reported on, the fact that they didn't get to talk. Uh, and then the SNP's apparently grown. I think I think they've they've played this well. Yeah, I think overall... I mean, yeah, the, the stunt was was a wee bit embarrassing, but it kind of, it seemed to have worked. You're right, it did grab headlines. Mm-hmm. And I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they did manage to secure a further debate where they'd actually would get to talk. I think, if anything, it highlights uh, the bureaucracy and, I don't know what the word is, but the fact that they can have like okay 15 whole minutes to discuss devolved matters and an english mp the whole time yeah spends the whole 15 minutes talking and they're like oh sorry that's time up i'm gonna have to stop you there i've started to all finish uh and uh and that's it i can understand that's a problem uh, their anger yeah that's a problem and that i think is a is an issue with the way the house of commons runs and i don't really know the answer is to that because it's one of these things which has been enshrined in in law for for centuries yeah, for efficiency reasons, because if you just let anyone who wanted to talk talk, you'd be there for for days. Yeah. So what's yeah. The, what's the solution? What's what's going to happen now? Because the SNP would say uh, that this is a power grab, well, so... and that um, the UK government are kind of walking all over the the uh, devolved powers that they have given to you know the Scots and. and well, Wales. they are. Yeah, like it's true that the UK government is walking over the devolved powers uh, in general uh, and failing to deliver on every promise they've made in the past in general. But, you know, we can't fix that. It's the government. They do what they want. And um, my advice to Mr. Mr. Speaker is, you know, don't embarrass yourself again. Uh, if you're going to pre- pretend to no procedure, just, like, listen to your little boys when they say, hey, hey, mate, don't do that. 
Just don't do that. Um, but, you know, government government needs to listen to the Scottish voice. And um, we can, if we even ignore the fact that there's two other nations that have devolved power, the government needs to listen to the Scottish voice. Otherwise, they're just not being a democracy. Do you think, though, there's a certain segment or, or, or part of the Scottish public which saw this and shrugged their shoulders and said, meh? I don't. I don't care. Why? I know. I know. This is this is pretty bad of the UK government not really doing anything, uh, or as you say, walking all over the the devolved nations. But eh, who cares? I expect a high percentage of people in Scotland are either not caring or choosing to not care because maybe they dislike the SNP, maybe they really like Theresa May. The problem isn't the parties. The problem is that democracy is being ignored. Yeah. But it's being ignored in a way that isn't illegal. Like they've lawfully ignored our voice, and we are we are a significant percentage of of the nation, and it was a thing about us, right? So everyone needs to care, even if no one really is caring. Everyone in England should care. You know, this is democracy. Please. Okay. Well, I think that's uh, that's us in terms of serious news. Oh no! <laughs> I know, right? can't believe we've actually had to fill time with that, but we, we somehow have managed it. Uh, let's talk about some uh, some very brief headlines in the entertainment world. Incredibles 2, which has debuted in the States. It's here in the UK in a couple of weeks' time, I think, just just at the tail end of the World Cup. Um, it has smashed the box office record for an animation. Brought in $180 million, uh, in its first weekend to rave reviews and everyone saying, oh, this is great, uh, as kind of expected, to be honest. Uh, This now means that I think three of the top five highest grossing films ever have come the last six months, maybe year. Yeah, it's like films are making more and more money all the time. Sorry, it's not all time grocers because Incredibles has only been out for two weeks, but you know what I mean, these kind of... But like, yeah, the initial... Absolutely. And it's it's all Disney and it's all... Disney. Yeah, there's a monopoly on creativity in the film industry. They're going to keep buying out all the other studios and keep making generic approachable films that everyone in the whole world can watch and enjoy. Because if everyone can enjoy it, they make a lot of money. I'm pretty sure that the three films, just to off the top of my head, you've got Incredibles 2, which is a sequel. Yeah, which is apparently good for, I don't know, I haven't seen it yet, but I'll find out. You've got Infinity War, which of course is a culmination of 10 years of superhero films. A lot of build up to that one, yeah. And they had a lot of famous faces on the screen. And then you've got The Last Jedi slash The Force Awakens slash Star Wars, which is the sequels of sequels of sequels of prequels. Wait, was it The Last Jedi or Force Awakens that is the big one? The Last Jedi The Last Jedi made more money initially. Yeah, I think, I think it's The Last Jedi. Anyway, we've talked about this before, but is Hollywood bankrupt of ideas that... Or does it just, or is this just the world we live in, where sequels and existing franchises that have been around for yep. for decades, in all these cases listed, are the money spinners, are the ones that people are actually being like, you know what, yeah, I'm going to go see this. The second option, Hollywood's not bankrupt of ideas. We keep getting new films out that are fresh or adaptions from new stories so, you know i'm okay with i'm okay with that more people need to like those but i think it is just a lot easier to grab the attention of the casual film gore by saying hey look mm-hmm. we've made nine of these come see the tenth one they've all been good this one's definitely going to be good too that Explosion. rule doesn't work for us though we can't say hey look we've made 134 of these come listen to the 135th one well yeah the, they have to be good <laughs> That's a fair point. But that's just it. Like The sequels are, are always going to be easier to make a fortune off, but also easier to f- to have a f- 
have, have an absolute failure with. Maybe not easier to have a failure with. I don't know. Easier to embarrass yourself with by, by wrecking a franchise. Okay, well, just on, on top of that, we do have Toy Story 4, Infinity War Part Ooh. 2, and yeah. ad nauseum Star Wars to come. Forever, forever Star Wars, forever Marvel. Everyone's going to have cinematic universe. And then every now and then we'll get something to that will come out and make zero money but will actually be fresh well actually jonathan nolan creator of westworld i don't i don't think i added this the run order i'm very sorry it's okay surprise me <laughs> he came out this week and said uh he hopes audiences get sick of superheroes quite soon despite the fact he made two of you know probably the most successful superhero film ever in terms of uh critically well yeah uh with the dark knight audiences will get sick of superheroes someday eventually unless they start making them in different ways, like I say and everyone says, just make them make them superhero based, but give them a different feeling rather than all being the same film. But if you think back to previous generations of cinema, we had years worth of cowboy films and the only mm -hmm. films yep. that were successful were cowboy films and then war films and the only films that were successful were war films. That's just how, I don't know why, but that's just how people watch films. They get caught up in one particular kind and they watch them until they get bored of them what's the next big genre use your crystal balls look into your balls of crystal you see now a few years ago i would say the next big genre is the return of the space opera because we had new star wars we had oh, yeah. the star treks coming out we had a whole bunch of space related things and everyone was trying to be space but then they were all bad or at least <laughs> most of them were bad and some of them were good oh, i thought they're okay fine well, they clearly didn't work because no one's making the space films as well. No, well, we did. We discussed the problems with Star Trek Three before, and that was a good yeah. film. But the marketing was all wrong. The marketing was wrong. I, I would, I would know the episode number if I knew the episode number of my heart for you to go and reference it back. I would, but I honestly haven't. One, two, seven. One hundred and something. The, we've had, we've had like big, big monster robot smashy films as a, as a back burner. <laughs> I don't really know what what fresh new thing we can have. We might be running out. Maybe in five years' time, Hollywood will have to be creative. Indeed. Right, let's, uh, before we wrap up, go to probably the only uh, notable trailer of this week. Uh, and also, rest assured, we will talk about Luke Cage uh, Season 2 when it comes out. It debuts on Netflix on Friday. Uh, it's already been released to some critics, but we will get to that uh, next week. Uh, okay, yeah. But talking of sequels, Creed 2, the first trailer is out for that. Uh, let's have a quick listen. Life hits you with all these cheap shots. People like me, we live in the past. You got people that need you now. You got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. But you don't think I could beat him? I'm gonna punch a guy. Oh, he's gonna punch me. Don't get killed by him like your dad did by, by his clone dad. That's, that's basically it, to be honest. Um... I didn't think an awful lot of this trailer. I liked the original film. Creed, I think, is very, very good if you haven't seen it. This is this is Creed 2, Rocky 8. <laughs> Essentially, yes. For anyone who doesn't know, it's Michael B. Jordan, yeah. uh, a la bad guy from Black Panther, mm -hmm. Fruitvale Station, and uh, Fantastic Four, the reboot. Yeah. Along with Tessa Thompson as the love interest and Rocky, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Uh, just reprising his old character. So yeah it, yeah, it must be about Rocky and it's also rehashing a storyline from Rocky is, is Rocky 3 2 2, two So this three. this to me uh, it's kind of a mishmash of of of, all, of 2 and 3 because it's it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a reboot 
and a sequel. Because it's Apollo Creed's son, I think. Yeah. Well, have you, did you watch the first Creed? I've never. I've watched the first Rocky one. Rocky yeah. Seven. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was just a Rocky film again, and they pretended it wasn't a sequel. And this is another one where they're pretending it's not Rocky. It's 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 definitely just a second film in a series. This one, who who, uh, as you see at the end, uh, has the name Drago on the back of his boxing hoodie jumper thing. Yeah. Spoilers is the person who boxed Creed. Creed's dad, Creed, to death. Okay. So Drago Sr., potentially a clone, because I don't know if he had any kids in this cinematic universe. Drago Sr. killed Creed Sr. That's what we're saying here, right? Okay, so so I didn't think much of the trailer because, yes, it's essentially a rerun of something we've already seen. I, I mean, I'm not going to yeah. say it has the exact same plot. I can't, I can't imagine Drago kills Creed in this one. Uh, no, that would be brave. You know what? If at <laughs> the end of Creed brave. 2, Creed dies, and, he, and that, would be, that would be great. I would pay for that. Just a couple a couple of things. I think the trailer... I mean, I know it's, it's a boxing film, and all these boxing films have the same story. Train. They're all the same. Drink raw eggs. Train. Montage. Train in a weird place. <laughs> train no no lose a fight you have to lose a fight at some point no, you gotta but, win but a fight, fight then lose a fight then train real hard then win your last fight yeah and, sandwich. and even if you don't win the last fight you win the respect of your opponent yeah or your mentor that's b- or both <laughs> that's uh, that's literally every boxing film ever yeah and i cannot wait to hear how drago jr says i respect you in a Russian accent. Or if he says, if he dies, he dies, which he'll, I'm sure he'll say again because they always like to rehash. I watched the, the female Ghostbusters yesterday. Oh, no. Uh, again, well, the th- no, thing is, I really liked the film. Stop it. <laughs> it's good. Like, it's not the best film ever, but in terms we of can, passing, We can talk about this on one of our spin-off episodes. Hold on. Well, let me just get this out here because I, I, I referenced <laughs> uh, using old quotes. That Ghostbusters reboot... Mm-hmm. rehashes so many of the iconic lines and the iconic characters yep. mm-hmm. that one or two times it's funny but after a few times you're like okay now you're just taking the mickey right so what you're saying is i like that film here's a bad thing about it that being said i do like the film it's not yeah it's i'm never gonna rush out on dvd and, and buy it do you like anything in that film that isn't chris hemsworth yeah i think the the, car- the, the cast and characters are good i think there's some funny okay, lines in there just wondering because there's a fair few people out there that like the film but when you say do you just like chris hemsworth they go oh right yeah i do like chris hemsworth but he is almost too stupid for that film tell you what we'll do a we'll do a seesaw parade ghostbusters review no 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 we'll do a seesaw parade contentious films review <laughs> yeah well, that's what we'll do right last but not least before we we wrap up but of course you can get in touch with seesaw parade james tell them where at everything at seesaw parade and also seesawparade at gmail.com on every platform twitter snapchat facebook you yeah you email it. us on twitter email us on instagram email us on snapchat email us on facebook email us on email <laughs> Email us by the real mail. Okay. World... Uh, at Seesaw Let's go to, to some World Cup dates. World Cup dates. Uh, see what you did there, James. Very nice. Uh, the main headlines, I'd say, as we enter uh, Game Week 2. Oh. I'm currently watching... Uh, it's, sorry, James. I am two-timing you here. I've got Spain-Iran on in the background. <laughs> Uh, again, not a real fight. Football. Yeah, yeah they, they have not uh, come to terms with their, their nuclear, nuclear arrangement just yet. Um... <laughs> okay. That was great. Yeah. Well put. A well put and well delivered joke. Thank you, James. Uh, so, game week two. At the moment, the main headlines are Germany, who are the world champions, reigning uh, reigning holders, losing. Oh no. To Mexico, one nil. Uh, Mexico were actually yeah. quite good. They're Mexicans, pretty good at football. Yeah. Uh, England won. Yeah. They beat Tunisia with a last minute goal. 
Harry Kane. How about that? And I bet you all the pundits, even though England won, were saying, oh, it's unlucky for England that they didn't win much more. Well, do you know what? Actually, they, they should have got they should have got four points instead of just three. Okay. I watched the game, obviously, because I've basically watched every game. Yeah. Uh, and England were, for the first half, actually quite good. And yeah, I've, heard, I've heard similar things. The team that they have... Uh, you know, gone are the days of Rooney and Lampard and uh, and Gerard. Yeah, these are the days of Harry. These are the days of Harry and, and Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, <laughs> Deli Ali and uh, and uh, the keeper whose name I can never remember. I don't know. So it's the team actually looks decent. I think they could get quite far. They might get past the group stage. They'll get no. They will get past the group stage. I th- they might get past the group stage. <laughs> they will. It remains to be seen how far after that, but no, genuinely, I think they look okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad that the BBC hasn't given me a breaking news notification about the World Cup quite yet. Oh, give it time. It's not reached those standards. Breaking news, England are just about to start playing. Last couple of points with this, the top scorer in the tournament is currently own goal. Nice, very well done, own goal, I'm proud of you. I hear uh, Ronaldo didn't break a world record. Uh, what, what do you mean? I think he was... For for a while, everyone thought he was the first player ever to score in eight consecutive f- big tournaments. And then someone was like, hey, no, this boy from Africa did it first. <laughs> right, okay, I didn't see that. Uh, no, Russia, despite being probably the worst team in the tournament, ter- uh, certainly in terms of rankings, and uh, whose own press had basically said they had no chance of getting through, have had the best start of any host in history. They've scored eight goals and conceded one, and they're through to the, the last 16. Well done, Russia. So that's, that's good for Russia. Didn't pay anybody off this time, as far as I know. I, bl- I, rec- I reckon there's some drugs involved. Okay, well, we'll find out if there are. Uh, and last but not least, uh, VAR has been played uh, has been has played a pretty significant part cool. in, the, in the football. I don't know if you've seen any of this, nope. but every single time there's a slightly dodgy decision. They um, pause the game. No, no, no. They, they they act out like if they're playing char- uh, charades or charades. You know, when you do like, okay, film, book, film? or TV. You do yeah. like the whole TV thing. And it's great. Wait, so they don't talk to each other? They, they just make the sign of the TV to the ref. No, and the ref that's... kind of shakes his head. No, that's great. They need to add new things to make football a better sport. Maybe slowing it down isn't the best idea since it's pretty slow. The thing is, people would say that using VAR takes out the controversy or the unpredictability of football because it means that's what makes the game no 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 no, but i disagree because now you have you know instead of a penalty decision that you know the referee doesn't give it and it means that colombia never reached the world cup final now var can review it and be like actually no that was a penalty yes you can get to that final so we can like revoke england's world cup now that we've officially added var (laughs) we can we can review and revoke their world cup i understand where people are coming from but at the same time i think it's a good thing you need to keep sports evolving because we get better at things, and then we need to make the sports better too. And that's not okay. the last news, Colin. We must. I must ask you, how are our selections going? I don't remember what they were. Colombia, okay. they lost. Peru, Colombia lost. Sure they yeah, lost. Yeah, have you, uh, sorry, if you were if you were listening to Cease Operate One Three Four to the bitter end, I hope you were. Uh, we picked uh, we we picked three teams. No, we picked four teams. In fact, four teams. I picked two of them. Colombia lost. Yeah, to Japan, which isn't which good. Was a which, shocker. You know, a bit of a shock, but I'm sure we'll recover. Peru lost to Denmark, which they shouldn't have lost. They were very good. Again, a bit a bit of a shocker, but you know, we'll recover. Argentina drew. Hey, a bit of a shocker, one, one against Iceland, which they, uh, I don't know, I think Iceland are, are quite good. Also, Iceland only have like 300,000 people and they're at a World Cup drawing with Argentina. Iceland do overperform in football lately. 
They seem to do well on the big stage. I can't remember who our other team was. Uh, Germany. Okay, Ger- so, Germany so far, we've got one, one out of 12 points, so for as far as I can count. We have one point. However, in the final, final point, I'm going to laud the, the, the supporters of Senegal and Japan Yeah. for cleaning up the stadiums after the games. Go Group G or whatever group they're in. Okay. Uh, James, I think that's it. We've uh, we've over we've overstayed our welcome, and uh, yeah, sorry everyone. All that remains to be said is goodbye, and I will see you uh, with more World Cup dates and hopefully less fire next week. Ooh, you don't have any fires planned this weekend? No, I don't. I, I've taken a week off. Okay, cool. Ciao. Oh, and goodbye, everyone.